chocolate. Hey, chocolate lovers. This is one of those months where we have two Wednesdays in a row with no new episode. So for this week's bonus episode, I'm sharing the full version of an interview I did with Vincent Maru of Maru Chocolate. I caught up with Vincent in Tokyo at the Kraft Chocolate Market back in January. So it's on the shorter side, but it's packed full of insight and information on the company's work with farmers across southern Vietnam. Since we were outside, there was also a fair amount of background chatter, so please excuse the noise. There are also two small interruptions from a truck and a person tripping, so please ignore those breaks and enjoy the interview. So my name is Vincent Maru. I'm one of the co-founders of Maru Chocolate. We're a bean-to-bar company based in Vietnam. Um, we've been in business since 2011, making chocolate in-country from only Vietnamese-sourced cacao. So you started Maru in 2011 with your business partner, Samuel Maruda. Uh, how did you two decide on making chocolate instead of any other value-added product? So uh, we were Samuel and I met in Vietnam. We were both living there at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were also both interested in, in doing something new in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in Vietnam, and uh, I was researching different ideas one day. I was told there was cacao growing in Vietnam, and that was kind of the eureka moment for me. And later on, when I talked to Sam, uh, he also was interested in doing something with cacao. So um, it was something that was important to us. Why? Because it was filled with only good things. I mean, in a sense of values, you know, working with a noble ingredient in country and doing something original. Uh, No one at the time had been making chocolate with Vietnamese cacao or doing anything with cacao in Vietnam. There were no real Vietnamese brands known. Uh, So there was a lot to be done. It was very exciting. So how did you first reach out to or contact any of those farmers you worked with at the beginning in Vietnam? So the first time that Sam and I went out to the countryside, we actually used Google to find out information on where we could go for cacao. We knew there was cacao in Benche. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam had already been to a cacao farm in Benche, uh, but we wanted to try something uh, to, to explore a new area. Mm-hmm. So we Googled uh, cacao in, uh, in Vietnam, and we saw that in Baria, which is not that far from Saigon, uh, two hours away, there was some cacao growing in an area called Samsuai. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to head out in that direction. Of course, it was, these were the very early days. We didn't know much about cacao. Yeah. So interestingly enough, we were on our motorbikes and along the road, we would mm-hmm. see what looked like cacao trees, but we would approach and it would actually be coffee. So that's kind of, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, but you know, it's, they're actually, they look quite similar at first glance, uh, yeah. The fruit don't, but if you look at the leaves and, you know, it's a bush, uh, cacao tree's not much of a, it's not a tall, imposing tree. So, you know, anyway, uh, we, um, but, you know, obviously once you get involved in cacao, you, you quickly uh, are able to identify the difference. But it, it's an amusing little anecdote. So the first two regions you worked with, did they end up being those two regions? So what happened is we started working with Baria beans from Mr. Duk, and we started with those beans for about two months, and then in Sam's kitchen, as we were uh, experimenting and getting to, you know, learning how to make chocolate, 
and making small machines that would help us with this. And then we were reaching out to other people. We had a uh, Vietnamese friend who was living outside of Saigon and in the countryside. And on the weekends, he would take his motorbike and he would go to different provinces around where he lived. And he would meet cacao farmers and he would gather samples for us and send them to us. And so we started getting samples from different places and we would try the beans you know, from those samples. I mean, of course, we were only making like one kilo batches at the time with a small Indian grinder. And if we liked the beans, then we would then go on our motorbikes and go visit that farm, meet the farmer. And that's how the relationship started. After six months, we had pretty much, we had farmers that we liked in about four to five provinces. And, you know, we were ready. The, everything was kind of rolling along. I mean, we had a company name. We started working on the branding, uh, the packaging. Uh, the chocolate was getting there. Uh, it wasn't quite there yet, but it was getting there. Uh, we had already made some, some big breakthroughs in our chocolate-making experience. And we had to decide what kind of, what was going to be our first line of chocolate. And what was the most, one of the most interesting things that we had learned was about the terroir effect in, with cacao, so that the terroir influences taste. And one, So that was immediately obvious? Because we were getting samples from different provinces and mm. making immediately, you know, uh, you know, we weren't, uh, you know, and we were comparing uh, geographic areas that are, that are, you know, very close to each other. So there was, from province to province, uh, differences in topography and soil types and therefore differences in taste. So we realized that was very interesting and that was probably what we should put out to the world. And in those days, we were the first to do that um, as far as you know, presenting a terroir chocolate for one country, um, just from province to province. Uh, so the, the Baria Bar, the Ting Yang, the Lam Dong, the Ben Che, the Dom Nai, uh, those were the original bars that we released. And we didn't want to, it wasn't an idea, we want terroir to sound pretentious. It was really exciting that in one country, in one small geographic area, we could have such a variety of flavors and characters in, in, the, in the chocolate. Okay, so you got into the, the terroir, that was immediately something that you thought it this was, was our it, angle. It was obvious and yeah, it was super interesting and it was original did you approach chocolate making through the lens of any other industry like uh, coffee or wine or cheese i think we were most influenced by winemaking that was something that for us was the most uh, immediate and accessible in a way because you know we had some experience with wine i mean just from appreciating wine and uh, sam's from a wine growing region in france and so is my family so that was something that we were comfortable with uh, coffee, we love coffee, um, but to be honest, um, we didn't have as much connection with coffee besides enjoying it and you know, appreciating good coffee. But, uh. So in terms of producing in one country with different terroirs from around that country, I think France and their wine-growing regions, which have become quite famous, is one of the better comparisons. Yes. So yeah, we had a good, yeah, I mean, we, we know that. We know that in France there are many, I mean, every area of France produces wine. And, you know, where I'm from and where Sam's from produces very different wines. Uh, the, the terroir is very different. The soil types are very different. The climates are, are, are 
pretty different. So yeah, that's that's kind of in us. It makes sense. We we, we know about this. So um, yeah, we were seeing similar things with what we were doing. Uh, so it was it was uh, it's pretty. How would, uh, how would you say um, natural for us to to so, present that? So in terms of working with the those local farmers that you originally were in contact with, mm. are you still working with all of them, or some of them, or none of them? We are working with every farmer that we started working with, except one. He wasn't actually really a farmer. He was a fermenter in Benche. Is Mr. Chan, and uh, yeah, Mr. Chan, uh, he was getting old, and he stopped uh, doing his, 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 his thing um, for retirement. Uh, but as far as farmers, yes, every, every farmer that we started with, we are still working with. We've helped kind of them grow as well and what they do you know and they've gotten better the idea is that we buy everything from them um, that's not always possible I mean the quality is not always there for some for for certain for certain ones it's 95 percent and others it's 70 and 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 so you know it's it's uh, but the idea is that we try to always help them improve what they do and and keep doing what they do because you know, the market price being very low, we've had to basically just increase our prices, you know, the, the increase the difference between the, the, the commodity price and our price, just keep increasing that to maintain the quality and the activity. Because in Vietnam, the, the, the farmers are educated, they're shrewd, they, they, they calculate margin, they will, if, if they're not making money from cacao, they will cut the trees and replace it with something else. So it's, you know, there's no culture of cacao in Vietnam. There's no folklore uh, yeah. that, that they would abandon. Uh, so how did you two learn about cacao when you were first getting into it? So Sam and I learned about cacao by, by reading. Uh, we were lucky in the very beginning, in the first three, four months, that we were in contact with a, uh, a German, French-speaking agronomist, Hans Wieberg Wagner, who was at the time working for uh, an NGO, the German Development Agency. And so he was going around and, 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 and giving trainings to farmers, cacao farmers. So we would meet, you know, uh, over a beer and he would give us a master class on cacao, which was fantastic. And then we would go see him in the countryside and, uh, you know, he would give his lectures in English and he'd have his Vietnamese translator. So it was also an opportunity for us to, to assist and get something from it. So that was a very important um, how would you say situation because we are able to learn quickly um, and then apply it whenever we go on our own to visit the different farmers yeah. so to what extent have you been able, or were you able to help at the beginning versus how you're able to help farmers now and help develop any newer regions or newer farms within those different terroir regions yeah. so in the, in the beginning we were working with fewer farmer fermenters mm -hmm. today we work with many more which is great, but it's also challenging right? because you have many more people that you need to monitor to help and also, uh, you know, deal with their issues. So, you know, we have a sourcing team of six people total. Um, you know, we have a dedicated driver and all that. But, you know, we have, uh, you know, a nice team that basically has to go around to all six provinces, actually seven. Um, we actually do buy from Daknom, but... We don't make a bar from that cacao uh, yet. Uh, but 
so anyway, so they're constantly on the road working with all of these farmer fermenters and also we, we have meetings bringing all the pod farmers in as well so that we can get a good idea of what's happening also with them, you know, so make sure that they're getting a good price and, and that we also hear what's happening at their level. So, um, yeah, I mean, in the very beginning, uh, there was Sam and I on our motorbike and we were, you know, in the beginning we, we, didn't, we didn't need 30 kilos of cacao in one bag. One bag was seemed like, oh my God, that's a, a lot of cacao, you know. So that's how we started, and then we, you know went from one bag to two bags to three bags to four bags, and then all of a sudden we needed a vehicle, a car, you know, to go purchase cacao Wait, from so the motorbike, and then we went to. Wait, so you had them on the back of your motor, like yeah. bags of cacao? Yeah, we had you know up to, I think up to two bags of cacao on our motorbike. Yeah, 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 yeah. and then we then we would hire. A driver of the car and we would go out and you know and fill that car up with cacao and then that was not enough and then so what we do now is we just uh, we use a local truck near where the farmer lives and then they they we hire them to to bring the cacao to to, to Ho Chi Minh. So when did you start noticing that other people were looking to source cacao from Vietnam? So you guys started in yeah. 2011 so yeah so basically uh, what happened is uh, we started growing. Uh, we had some success early on, and so we were buying more and more cacao from the farmers, and it was very good for them. And we were seeing also that we could also we couldn't buy more for our needs, right? But we could buy more for others, and, it's, and at the same time, it would benefit the farmers, right? So if we can increase their revenue by finding other buyers that would buy through us then it was it was it was it was really good for the farmers it was encouraging it made it would reinforce our message to them you know so that's what how we started selling a bit of cacao um, when was this this is pretty i think 2012 13 so it's pretty early on i mean yeah. probably, I, I think 2013 was probably what the first time we we shipped uh, uh some cacao to the u.s um in a significant you know quantity so how early on did these different regions start selling themselves as this is cacao from I'm going to butcher the names but like Takno Taklak Taklak Nong Taknong yeah Tingyang yeah So how early on did farmers from those provinces start saying oh we're not just Vietnamese cacao farmers we're cacao farmers who sell this type of um, or this variety, not variety, what's the word I'm looking for? This terroir, I guess, of cacao? Well, I think early all? on, because what happened is, you know, we, we started kind of bringing those farmers together. And uh, we had, uh, we threw a, well, just as an example, we threw a five-year anniversary party and we invited all the farmers and all of them came with their, you know, significant others. And we had a great party. And we had the first uh, cacao wine uh, competition because you know Vietnamese farmers aren't really into chocolate but they love their cacao wine right so what they do is they press you know the fresh beans and they extract the juice and then they ferment it naturally and each one has their touch uh, literally the bacteria from their hands <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh, so that was a really exciting time and, and you know and that was just kind of the the you know the, 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 
greatest kind of meeting that we had. But, you know, before that, we also had different encounters where we'd bring farmers from Tingyang and they would meet Mr. Duke in Baria. And, you know, so they, it, and then they would have their each one would have their own chocolate. You know, I mean, we were making a Baria chocolate with Mr. Duke and we were making Tingyang with the, well, I call them the, 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 the five musketeers of Tingyang. Uh, you know, there's five great farmers that, that we now there's a bit more in Tingyang, but for a long time it was just five. Um, anyway, so each one had their product, so it was to them clear. You know, there was Baria, and they, and they could taste the difference. Um, so yeah, we created this kind of terroir identity with Vietnamese cacao. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that. I had never thought of it that way. To be honest, yeah. well, I mean, you guys were like the how, first from their ones. perspective, yeah. you know, what they do and is is, you know, there's there's a certain there's a pride, yeah, there's a geographic, yeah, pride to it. Literally touching. That's funny. <laughs> I don't know if you realized when you said that what like the implication of because you touch all the cacao and the bacteria from your hands also the fermentation. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, sure. Whether it was I mean, there's bacteria or not. everywhere. I mean, it's yeah. not just the hands i mean some do wear plastic gloves some (laughs) some sometimes maybe (laughs) probably when we're there yeah so would you define those different regions as being their own brands or would you say that they're more just different origins like what is the difference for you between a single well they're not their own brands they're 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 just their own character if you will i mean that's just this kind of nebulous concept you know but it, there's no official, you know, stamp. You know, it's not like a, in front in wine you have AOCs, you know, which is, uh, you know, so AOC basically protects the um, what's going on in that specific place. It protects the method. It protects the varieties that are used. And and each uh, winemaker, for example, in that area has to follow those guidelines. Otherwise, they're no, they can't use the AOC, right? We're not there with cacao um, at all. So, you know, <laughs> so it, there's a certain identity, you know, that goes yeah. along with it. But, you know, it's... So uh, looking through the lens of wine, cacao still has decades to go before we're anywhere near having designations yeah, of yeah, origin. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Various, well, there is origin, but it's it's not... Designations, pre- like, for the, through the government. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or, it's, it's only, uh, you know, how would you say it? It's the only protection right now is through the chocolate maker and their honesty... You know, they're not blending or they're not cheating, you know, anybody. So that's, that's really it, you know. There's no, there's no governing body from Lamdong protect, protecting the Lamdong uh, name and how it's used. And A woman just tripped across the barrier, bringing the whole thing down. We got a bit distracted. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think that's all of my questions. I, I think... The questions aren't so much important as. No, but like, I don't think I finished that last right. one. Uh, you were. You know, the AOC thing is. No, yeah, there's no, Lam, there's no. There's no one saying, like, this Lamdong cacao is definitely from Lamdong because it has these characteristics and we looked over it to make sure people were following the rules. Yeah, there's no. No, one because doing that. there's no. I mean, there's slight variations in how fermentation is done uh, from place to place, you know, but it's. it's, it's I don't think it's. I think it's a bit, a bit too technical for most of the consumers to, to appreciate. And and you have to. I mean, you know, fermentation is a 
you know, it's a living thing and, and it depends on the yeast that's present and it affect, it's affected also by the temperature and all these other things that, you know, you can't really be too strict on that. You can be strict on other things, but I think, okay, this is what I was trying to, I think there is a change in chocolate. I felt it actually at the Saint-Louis Chocolat in 2018 in Paris. I think we're coming out of the, the Middle Ages, if you will, with chocolate. I think we're now in a whole new era and we're in the beginning of it. Chocolate is going to become more and more, how would you say, sophisticated in, in, it, in its techniques and its appreciation and so on and so forth. I see it happening. It's happening at the farm level. It's happening, uh, you know, obviously with the chocolate makers and it's happening with, with the consumers. And uh, so much is changing, you know. I mean, this whole thing with fine flavor cacao, before it was, there were only few producers, fermenters that were making really great fine flavored cacao, you know, in each country, cacao growing country. Now, each of these countries or even areas, there are many people doing it. So therefore, now there's fine flavored cacao, is it? there's so much of it compared to the number of chocolate makers. So the chocolate makers, it's a buyer's market, not a seller's market. And, uh, you know, it's, it's changed things greatly. Uh, the, the, the methods of fermentation and the, the, even uh, the agronomists, you know, there's, there's just much more, how would you say it, um, application and results than there ever was before. I think uh, there now are new methods coming out for, for planting cacao and how it's grown. One fascinating thing is historically cacao is by agronomists has always been looked at as a cacao tree, right? They've always seen it as this kind of unique thing from the Amazon, you know, that, um, that's been grown pretty much the same way forever, right? And now people are looking at it as a fruit tree, right? A fruit tree and trying to apply techniques that have been known to work to on apple trees, cherry trees, all these different fruit trees and and so it's really interesting because it's changing completely the way we look at, at, at a cacao tree and and the idea is that we can increase productivity we can also reduce uh, stresses on the environment for example the amount of water that's needed for cacao tree and how that water is used is it used for making wood for the tree to grow and get big or is it used towards producing fruit right which is what we want. We want fruit. There's just interesting beginning of a shift on how we view uh, the cacao tree. Yeah. So do you think that just like how you guys started off in wine, do you think that cacao will eventually cycle back and become more like wine with not just having, oh, this cacao is from Ecuador, but this cacao is from this region of Ecuador. It's made with beans of this variety. Um, not just like naming the farmer and telling the stories of the farmer, but going through the techniques sort of similar to wine yeah, yeah of course i mean the, the better we get with i think the, the, the more sophisticated we, we get with our techniques the most the more we're going to have we're going to benefit from them to create different more controlled taste and therefore we want to put that forward so you know it's it's it'll it's we're you know whether it's with different yeasts and with inoculation or it's different ways of growing the cacao i mean there's, anyway there's all different things that are that are changing today and, and new methods so 
when, if those are significant, then that's something that a chocolate maker can put forward. A huge thanks to Vincent for taking the time away from the festival to come chat with me, and I definitely hope you tune in next week when we dive into part two of the Philippines story. To learn more about Vincent and Maru, check out the show notes at the link in the description, or visit my website at damekakao.com. That's D-A-M-E-C-A-C-A-O dot C-O-M. I hope you'll join me next time we go on the road.